kept it simple. So I have a super cycle from when I was in college 20 yeah. years ago. I have it registered, yeah. right? So if it gets stolen and I feel passionately that I want my then $99 bike back, yeah. that, you know, if somehow it's recovered, then the officers can get it to you because police want to get property back to people as quickly as they can. You're listening to the Sue Podcast with your host, Brian Keeney. This is the place to hear from members of the Sault Ste. Marie community and beyond. We're on a mission to give local voices a platform to share their stories and experiences. Whether it's supporting small business, discussing local politics, or tracking real estate trends. Find it all on the Sioux Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It's my pleasure to introduce Lincoln Laudit, the Dynamic Manager of Corporate Communications, Planning, and Research at the prestigious Sault Ste. Marie Police Service. With a background as a video journalist for CTV, Lincoln brings a wealth of storytelling expertise to his role, where he serves as the service media spokesperson and crafts daily media releases. He also excels at managing the at Sioux Police social media accounts, overseeing the service website, and ensuring seamless service policies. Lincoln's exceptional communication skills and dedication to community engagement make him an invaluable asset, fostering trust and transparency between law enforcement and the public. Welcome, Lincoln. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate the intro. Lincoln, I know I just produced this little quick bio from what's available about you online and that sort of thing, but I think our guests would enjoy hearing what you're all about, your job, what you do directly from you. So why don't we jump into that? I'll summarize a little bit. Obviously, the job entails a lot more than the public actually sees, but for the public's perspective, my role is to be as open and transparent as we possibly can with the activity of, of our members in the community, ensuring public safety and community engagement. That's a big part of my role. The daily release of media material, our information to the public so they know what our members have been up to over the last 24, 48 hours. Also keeping the public informed on social media. It's not always public safety information. Obviously there's a lot of that, but there's potential job opportunities or we have traffic awareness month. Every month has a different thing. So this month is speeding. So we've created a bunch of social media content to go out on that to reinforce the message of slow down and take your time when you're going where you need to go. So that's a big part of my job on a daily basis is to engage with the public. Also, that includes the website. That's really all the public would see. As you mentioned, I am in charge of service policy and that kind of helps dictate what we do on a daily basis. When I say we, that means every member of the Sault Ste. Marie Police Service. I report directly to the Chief of Police. So obviously our days are dynamic and can change at a whim depending on what's happening in the community or the things the Chief's trying to accomplish on a daily basis. So it's an enjoyable job. It's been four and a half years. Many people in the community might know me from being on TV for a long time and I've enjoyed the transition and I'm happy to be here with it today. Well, thank you for being here today. You were telling me during the pre-show discussion that the police service is so much more than just the sworn peace officers. There's a large body of civilian staff that support the police service's operations, and you were one of those civilian staff members. Yeah, yeah so our complement right now of sworn members is 142. That's uniformed police officers with, as the chief calls it, with a gun belt that can help the community in public safety initiatives, but there are a lot more professional staff that work for the service. That includes our dispatchers, our 911 community a lot of admin roles, mm -hmm. record inputting, data inputting, myself, corporate communications, that's relatively new before me. Four and a half years ago, it was a role that was always done by a sworn officer. But there's a lot of things that happen that people don't get to see, HR, finance, you know, the things that happen at every kind of corporation yeah. that people kind of forget about when it comes to a public entity of law enforcement like policing. So uh, part of the thing that we have been doing through social media is trying to engage the public so they know more of the people that work at the Sioux St. Marie Police Service, right? What do they do? Is this a potential career opportunity? Like many 
corporations, businesses, organizations, hiring is at a premium right now. So we want to get and attract the best possible candidates to consider a career in policing, whether it's with a uniform or not with a uniform. And how do you find the public responds to the social media efforts that the service has made to engage with the community? How have you found the response to be, generally speaking? It really depends on what type of information we're putting out there. I think it's been about six months since we started an initiative called Meet a Member. We publish that every Monday. It's just to highlight somebody that works at the service, including our police canines and our officers in the different units. And like I said, our professional staff that work in HR or corporate communications or in our dispatch area. There's been a lot of positive feedback from that internally and from people in the community, as well as from shares and likes and those types of things. So that's been a popular thing. I think people like to know what's happening behind the curtain, right? That's kind of the reason why you would have a podcast like this. You want to know what people in the community are doing. Yeah. So we're trying to bring people inside as much as we possibly can. And that's been a positive way to doing that. That's awesome. Lincoln, one of the questions I want to ask you and probably something our viewers are curious about as well is what are some of the stereotypes and misconceptions that you encounter about the police service and how does your department work to address those myths and stereotypes? One of the big things that we do to address any sort of stereotype or misconception might be out there is to really stay engaged with community groups in our community. When I say a community group, it could mean a lot of things to different people, but obviously the city is changing in terms of the demographic. So we want to make sure that we're in touch with all the different cultural backgrounds of people that are moving to Sault Ste. Marie. We develop positive relationships with Akano and NOLA, and we're in a lot of dialogue with the Anishinaabe People's Council and various Indigenous community groups, as well as Sioux Pride. So I think that that's the biggest way is really word of mouth. Chief Stevenson is very big on that type of thing, because if you engage with people and they know you on a personal level, they're more willing to talk to you and understand your perspective of things. I think that's a big challenge. It's all a matter of perspective. We talked a little bit earlier about getting people to understand what happens with the police service, not just with our officers, but with other staff that work there. And if you engage with people and have dialogue with them and allow them to ask you questions, you can give them more of an insight into how a situation actually happens, how does an investigation unfold. Obviously, people are concerned about response times in the community. Well, they may not understand that we have most of our officers at a higher priority call. So say, for example, there's a weapons call. Well, every available officer we have is going to that call. And you call in and somebody has stolen something from your shed. Is that important? Yes, it's very important. You feel like you've been victimized. It's the most important thing for you that day. When a call comes in, it's prioritized based on the level of severity. While it is serious and we want to send somebody there, we want you to have an engagement with somebody, we have to handle every call based on the priority of the risk to the public, risk to our members, and the community at large. So that's one thing that we really deal with essentially on a daily basis. I'm sure there's folks at City Hall that have to answer those types of questions, counselors, those types of things. But we really try to let people know that every day is different, every call is different, and the severity and priority of that call gets put in place based on that priority. And that's when we're sending members to do that. The example I gave you is one of the reasons why we've revamped our online reporting system. So for less serious calls for service where there's not a known suspect, there's not somebody there at that time, those calls can be reported through our online reporting system and are then kicked over to our central support bureau for follow-up. So it's not that we don't want you to have an engagement with an officer. It's not that officers won't follow up on it. It's that we're able to handle it and prioritize it more efficiently that way. We've really been trying to push that out to the public so that they know that that is an option for them. They can get their incident number, they can contact their insurance company, and then they can still follow back up with officers if there's further investigative information that can be gleaned from chatting with them. That's really cool. Wow. I feel like there's a lot of frustration across Canada right now. This isn't just specific to Sault Ste. Marie. There's a lot of frustration about the bail system in this country. And I know that that's a federal issue. I know that's not a local municipal policing issue. I know that the changes that maybe need to be made need to happen at a nationwide level at at a level of political influence that's far, far beyond Sault Ste. Marie. But it does affect the everyday lives of local community members in every community 
community across Canada, including Sault Ste. Marie, maybe even particularly Sault Ste. Marie, because there's obviously been articles and messages put out there by the media that Sault Ste. Marie is perhaps a higher crime rate area. I don't know to what extent the actual statistics support that. People write articles about all kinds of stuff. So getting back to my point, when you look at the debates that are happening in the House of Commons and you look at how right now the leader of the Conservative Party, Pierre Polyev, is saying a lot of things about how we've got repeat violent offenders that are being constantly released after being arrested over and over and over again. When I look at that as a lawyer, when I look at that, I I understand that the criminal justice system is a multi-part organic system that has many, many decision makers all operating in parallel with each other. So it's not that necessarily any one person is responsible for this trend that we're seeing. It's not like, okay, well, this particular police department needs to be tougher on crime or this particular courthouse, the judges at that courthouse. It's a system-wide issue. And what we're seeing, I guess, from all the messages that seem to be out there right now is that people who are committing violent crimes and constantly being arrested through a lot of really good police work, that police work is sort of being undone by a justice system that is releasing them back out to the public and then, I guess, putting pressure on the police services to then go re-arrest them again and again and again. I mean, we just were talking about a moment ago about how there's only so many resources available to deal with different levels of crimes that are happening and different issues and different calls that are coming in. So in an already resource-drained system, you now have a compounding problem of offenders being constantly released back into the public because of this complex web of the criminal justice system that apparently, according to a lot of really big politicians, are saying that this needs to be addressed. So I understand that's a big issue. I understand, like I said, it's a nationwide thing. It's a federal issue. It's not necessarily something that can be solved in one small community. But what are your thoughts on that conversation that's happening across the country right now? Yeah, I can address that. First thing, I just want to add a caveat to the crime rate index that is released every year. It's important the community knows that all the crime rates are calculated based on a population of 100,000. So everything that happens in Sault Ste. Marie is obviously elevated because we do not have a population of 100,000. Gotcha. So it doesn't skew the numbers. I don't understand StatsCan is trying to balance everything out, but it's important that people understand that. The rest of it, I'm going to quote our chief, Chief Stevenson. He's been very vocal on some of this information. And you talk about the resources. So when it's not only an offender, but somebody maybe that's been apprehended under the Mental Health Act or somebody that has addiction issues and they're released back into the community, there's a number of supports that they need in order to be successful in recovery or to ensure that you know they're not finding themselves in crisis. So we have an ongoing dialogue with all of our partners in the community, to name a few, Canadian Mental Health, Social Services, Housing. Everybody's involved in this, I'm going to call it community safety, right? We're trying to make sure that the people that live here are safe and feel safe when they're in our community. Chief Stevenson is an integral member of the Federation of Northern Ontario Municipalities, FONOM. Okay. He's been very vocal in terms of he would like to see the federal government review the legislation. He's an academic. He is very adamant that things need to be reviewed from time to time. I believe it's been about five years since Bill C-75 came into existence. And Chief Stevenson has been vocal in his support of having that reviewed to ensure that the safety of the community is being considered when it comes to people being arrested multiple times. Yeah, I think that is something that definitely needs to be considered. Getting back to the social media thing, you look at a news article that comes out about an offender that was out on bail when they committed their next really egregious crime, whether it was with a gun or a knife or whatever. And you scroll through the comment section, you see hundreds, if not thousands of comments from Canadians who are saying like, why was this person even let out of jail? Like, why is this happening? This doesn't seem to make any sense. And if you don't understand the different layers that are involved, you might think, well, it's the police. Like they need to smarten up. Or you think it's the laws. Trudeau needs to pass better laws. Like if you don't get how this whole system is so intertwined with one another, all the different departments and different layers of it, it might be confusing. But I think regardless of whether 
or not you're an academic as the chief is yeah or if you're a trained lawyer or anyone if you're just your average everyday canadian you can still see that something is wrong you can still see that the system isn't working the way that it's supposed to it's become abundantly clear to most people regardless of your level of knowledge of how the criminal justice system works it's a problem i think it needs to be addressed and there is a sentiment i've definitely seen on social media where this is just something that i think it's really harmed the overall morale of people and their feeling of safety at the local community level but also at the nationwide level this is everywhere in canada now yeah so from a sioux police perspective obviously it's important to have that dialogue with our community members i mentioned some of our partners earlier that we've developed good group relationships with with the community groups so chief stevenson is supportive of any work that sioux police can do to improve review enhance any type of legislation or any kind of dialogue that needs to happen moving forward right and speaking of let's say you're a young person in the community right now growing up in sioux st marie and you're thinking about a career in law enforcement and i understand maybe you're not in the recruitment department or anything like that but i'm sure you work with all the departments at the service and it sounds like from what you've said there's definitely a need for more members the volume of calls that you're getting and trend across the entire country where i see these tiktok videos pop up on my feed of the vancouver police department aggressively hiring for new members and i'm all the way out here in ontario and i'm not even sure why i'm being targeted for this but it seems like police departments across the country are really looking for people to join and getting back to my question like if you're starting your career and you want to remain local maybe you don't want to leave the Sioux to look for the next big thing in your life what are some things that a person in that position should keep in mind and some things that they should know about a career whether it's as a sworn peace officer or even a civilian staff member yeah so I work pretty closely with recruiting to make sure our website's up to date and make sure we're pushing social media content out to folks when we are hiring we're hiring right now basically all positions at the moment so important thing for people to remember number one you don't want to have a criminal record there's a very extensive background check that comes in place when you're getting hired by a police service regardless of the role that you want to take i know chief stevenson <laughs> said that he gave his kids the advice of if you feel like you're in a situation that feels like wrong then leave right like get out of there you don't want anything ruining potential opportunities for you in the future so no criminal record obviously is very important if you want to be a sworn member of the service your fitness is important right there is a component you need to complete in order to get even through that initial process of the hiring stage so maintain your fitness volunteer in the community we want people that care about this community to live here and work here so have you volunteered at your child's school or are you a coach of basketball or are you volunteering with the seniors home those types of things are all character builders that we look for at the Sault Ste. Marie Police Service and I know our sergeant of uniform recruitment Derek McFarland says number one be a good person that's what you want good people that care about this community and they're going to go above and beyond to make sure that the people in Sault Ste. Marie and Prince Township feel safe they feel like they can go wherever they want in the community so those are very important things obviously we want people with experience just because you have a law enforcement degree or a diploma isn't everything like obviously those are nice things to have but a couple of our recent recruits were when they're late 30s they had had previous careers before deciding to join policing and they're grown-ups they're not kids that have come just straight out of school obviously we have a few of those people that get hired too but it's nice to have people that have life experience because they just understand the world a little bit better they know how to handle stress a little bit better they've gone through careers they've had mortgages they've been married maybe they've had a breakup or those types of things that really kind of build your character so those are all the types of things that we're looking for for people to join the Sault Ste. Marie Police Service and like you said it seems like a lot of businesses organizations across the country are really struggling to find quality people right now and we're no different we want the best of the best so to speak so our uniform recruitment our human resources are there to answer any of your questions there's a lot of information available at suepolice.ca that can answer a lot of these questions but those are some of the things that we're looking for does the service publish any sort of information about compensation plans and salary and benefits and retirement packages and stuff like that when it comes to the sworn members a lot of that information is on our recruiting page about oh, great. starting salary wages information about benefits and pension we're fortunate we have a good pension plan and benefits for all of our members so more questions can
can be answered, obviously, with a phone call, but there's a lot of that information available on our website. That's great. The local media has reported a little bit about some of the change-ups that we've seen at the Police Services Board. We've seen individuals join, come and go, and more than one, actually. And then I think there was an article last summer, maybe almost a year ago, by Rick Webb, where he was calling for more diversity on the Police Services Board and that sort of thing. I think since the writing of that article, there's been some change-up since then, so that's a little bit dated. But the direction I'm going with my question is, what is sort of the relationship between the police service and the board that that sort of oversees them? And what does that sort of look like for someone who has like no clue what the sort of bureaucratic mechanisms are here? Yeah, so I'll start with how the board's made up. Okay. So the Sioux City Police Services Board is made up of five members. Two of them are municipal councillor representatives. Okay. So we currently have two city councillors. For a long time, the mayor was a person that sat on the board. We have two municipally appointed representatives, which the city of Sault Ste. Marie and the Sioux Police Service have no control over. And there's a fifth member, which is a community representative. So those people are selected by members of city council. So if you, for example, wanted to be a member of the Sioux Ste. Marie Police Services Board, when it became time for nominations to be accepted, the city puts out information about all the boards and committees that they need public members to join. You can express your interest by applying. Your name would then go forward and be voted upon at city council. Oh, wow. So the Sioux Ste. Marie Police Service itself has no control over who the board is. The board's responsibility is to ensure adequate and effective policing for the jurisdiction in which their police service has. So for us, it's the city of Sault Ste. Marie and Prince Township. That's our jurisdiction. Gotcha. One of the other questions I want to ask you today was, what steps does the Sault Ste. Marie Police Service take to ensure transparency and accountability in its operations? And how does it communicate that to the public? Yeah, so we're constantly trying to develop ways to ensure the public has as much information as they can possibly have. I understand the clamoring for all the information, but that's not possible. There's a lot of times when there's an ongoing investigation that there's only so much we can share because we don't want to affect the integrity of the investigation. Obviously, people want to see wrongdoers arrested and charges laid and adequate justice served. But if we're in the middle of an investigation, a lot of times it's you're on a need to know basis. We want to make sure the public is safe. So say, for example, there's an active scene somewhere. We try to get that information out as quickly as we possibly can so people know that, yes, there's a significant police presence in Area X. If you can, take alternate routes, allow officers to focus on the task at hand so that we can have a successful outcome. Other ways, Police Services Act dictates that an annual report is put out every year, which basically summarizes all the stats of the year. Ours will be coming out soon-ish this summer, and every police service must put that out. Another way that we ensure transparency is making sure that we have strong partnerships with our community groups. We talked a little bit about diversity of police services board and diversity of the people that work at a police service. So like I said, we developed a strong relationship with ACANO. That's the African Caribbean Canadian Association, Northern Ontario. NOLA, Northern Ontario Latino Hispanic Association. Sioux Pride, our various indigenous community groups, right? We've had discussions with members of our local Muslim population about various things. That's how you keep transparency out there because it's word of mouth. People are talking at a family dinner, at a social gathering, and somebody will go, well, I've had meetings with Sioux Police and they've told me this. We've also gone through our complete policy and procedure audit by a third-party company and are currently working our way through management action plan to address some of the areas of improvement that we can address. We will be sharing that with the public soon. It'll be available on our website. People will be able to see what the consulting company found and how we're addressing those things. So Chief Stevenson has been very open about that type of thing. Part of my job as corporate communications is to be as transparent and get as much information to the public as we can. As long as we're not affecting investigations, we want that information out there so that the community that is paying the bill can see what their police service is doing. We haven't quite started to talk about dynamic patrol stuff yet, but 
when we do dynamic patrols, we try to update every two weeks. How many officers have we had out there? How many businesses have they spoken to? How many public offense notice tickets have they issued? All those types of things. We want the public to know what we're doing as much as we possibly can. Bicycle patrols, all those types of things that people see value in. We want to make sure that they know what we're doing and we try to get that out in as timely a fashion as we can. I understand people in today's day have access to information instantly. Well, we have to make sure that information is accurate before we put it out. So we're as quick as we possibly can. And obviously there's room for improvement in all areas at all times, but transparency is definitely important to us. You just mentioned dynamic patrols yep. and coming from the GTA where I spent most of my life before I moved to the Sioux, I remember these ride checks were just like all over the place. I can't count the number of times I'd be just like driving on the highway and then I'm taking an exit or something. It's like, oh, there's another ride checkpoint and you slow down and they ask, you're drinking tonight and you blow in the little machine then you're on your way. Yep. Again, I'm only speaking from personal experience. I don't know how it works here. Well, I can explain our dynamic patrol. Yeah. That helps you before you ask your question. Yeah. So essentially our dynamic patrol, which receives funding from provincial government, is to have increased police presence in the downtown core or an area where we deem necessary. So right now we have dynamic patrol happening. This sounds weird to people, but it's a voluntary overtime shift. These are officers who, or special constables who have the day off, but want to come in and work some overtime. They might be on bike patrol. They might be walking downtown on foot patrol, but it's really to, number one, engage with our business owners, our people that want to attend the downtown so they can get to know some of these officers. It's like, oh, hey, Ryan, how are you? Instead of somebody in a uniform. Most of the people that work at the Sault Ste. Marie Police Service live in Sault Ste. Marie. There's definitely a community connection. There's a community engagement there. That's part of the piece of the dynamic patrol. It's also just an increased presence. Police presence does deter crime. So the more officers that we can have in significant areas or areas that we determine need a little bit more presence, it does a lot of good, right? We know that business owners want to see the police downtown. Community members want to see the police downtown. So this is a way of addressing that. Obviously, we have officers on a daily basis that are assigned to a zone that includes downtown. This is an above and in addition to. It's been a positive thing the last year and a half-ish that we've been doing it. Great. And we'll continue to do it as we see necessary and as we see fit and as we have funds to do so. So that's really what the dynamic patrol in our area is. I know you mentioned ride checks. Yeah. It's a little bit different, but it could be used in dynamic patrol funding. But ride checks, we do receive provincial money to conduct ride programs as well, which are reduced impaired driving everywhere. Everybody remembers from when we were younger, it was always about alcohol, but obviously the landscape has changed. Obviously cannabis is legal and we've seen an increase in opiates and those types of things. So it's really just to try to ensure that the people operating on our roads are doing so sober and not impaired. Do we have those in the Sioux? Ride checks? Like oh, those yeah, check of course. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Yep. All right, cool. I'm not an expert on the subject, but if you have a strong traffic patrol presence, that oftentimes results in charges for other unrelated crimes that have nothing to do with driving. So let's say you have a really strong ride checkpoint system set up. Some of the people that you catch who are driving drunk also happen to have drugs in their car. So it sort of allows you to net a much larger sort of pool of offenders when you're focusing on certain dynamic patrol infrastructure. A ride check can be used as an investigative tool. Yeah. So the way the legislation is written now is officers have the authority to pull over anybody at any point to ensure that the integrity of your vehicle is intact and to make sure that you're a valid driver. So people sometimes forget that officers don't need to have a reason to pull you over. They can for two reasons, like I said, ensure your vehicle is adequate to be on the road and then ensure that you are a valid driver with insurance for that vehicle. And it can be used as an investigative tool if officers are looking for a particular individual or if there's been a report of an erratic driver in the area. So it's the officer's job to investigate as thoroughly as they can. Gotcha. Actually, on that topic, in my experience living here, there's a sentiment in the community that drug usage and drug addiction and as well as drug trafficking seems to be a really significant problem here in Sault Ste. Marie. And I guess my curiosity is to what extent and by what mechanisms and tools is the local police taking action to stop this kind of activity? And I imagine that my question touches on probably 
certain things that are secret for good reason, but to the extent that it can be disclosed to the public, how are these sort of social ills being addressed? So I will say that, yeah, there's some operational stuff that obviously I can't get into. Obviously. But yeah, drug trafficking obviously is an important part of what our members are doing on a daily basis, trying to catch the people bringing the drugs to Sault Ste. Marie, bringing the poison here. We have detectives that are looking into this all the time. That's just part of being a police officer is doing that investigative work and trying to build leads and find information that could lead to a big arrest like that. When it comes to the more social ills, obviously that's not just a policing issue, right? We're not going to police our way out of people that have mental health issues and addiction issues. It's really more of a health and social issue that tends to, obviously police are part of that, but it's really more of a community issue. It's not just policing. I mentioned it earlier. We have a lot of partnerships and we have a lot of dialogue with some of those service providers, whether it's social services, Canadian mental health, addictions at the hospital. So it's really more of a community push that's going to try to stop some of these ills. I would like to emphasize you're from the GTA. Some of us, some of our viewers and listeners, I'm sure have been to other communities. This is not a Sault Ste. Marie issue. This is a national North American issue. For sure. Yeah. Right. So obviously we see our fair share of social disorder in Sault Ste. Marie. Uh, Yes, police will do all that they can to support in those causes, but it's not solely a police issue. And sometimes it's not a police issue at all. Obviously police get called to some of these, but sometimes really that call is better directed towards social service supports and those types of things. So it's important to remember that police are part of the puzzle, but they're not the whole puzzle. Yeah. And some of the literature seems to suggest in the academic space that if investments are made in a community towards the community's economic growth and development, whether that investment is being made by private enterprise or by government grants, education programs, that kind of thing, job opportunities. When you see the economy and the standard of living rise in a community, generally speaking, you also see a reduction in certain types of crime, at least maybe not all types of crime, but property crime is one of them. Drug addiction, I imagine, also drops because you get drug addiction in an environment of despair and hopelessness. But when you see more hope and economic activity in a city, that sort of helps to heal the problems that are happening in the law enforcement side of things. I do agree that I don't think you can police your way out of certain social issues. Some of it has to be a broader approach when it comes to job creation and investing in people's well-being so that maybe they don't feel the desire to do the kinds of things that they would do if they're in a hopeless situation. We'll put it that way. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the study, Ryan, but any investment in Sault Ste. Marie is obviously, I think, a positive. And if we can generate more economic opportunities, that'd be great. Lincoln, actually, one of the other topics I wanted to address during the episode, how long ago it was now, maybe a couple of months ago, there was this citywide panic over a, a child that went missing. And it's not my intention today to delve into the details of that specific case, because honestly, I think it's been reported as much as it possibly can be reported already in the media. The question that I have that was related to that was, what are some things that parents and basically even people who work at schools, that kind of thing, anyone entrusted with the safety of a child, what are some things that they can keep in mind to make sure that these types of cases are prevented, that we're looking out for the safety of children in the community, and hopefully we don't have to find ourselves in a situation where we have to marshal an army of first responders to save the life of a child that's gone missing. The first one, Ryan, is talk to the child. Make sure they understand the risks. Number one, if you get separated from a group or you feel like you're lost, is stay where you are. That's the easiest way for anyone to find you because they're not searching a larger area. But from a parent's perspective, if you're a child, have that dialogue with the child. Make them understand the risks associated with going missing, wandering away from the group, those types of things. It's just important. It's education, it's training, which is important for all of us, right, in our day-to-day lives. So have that dialogue with them. Have a safety plan in place. Have emergency numbers, contact numbers of people that they can call if they feel lost. (laughs) When I was a kid, there were pay phones. I don't know how many pay phones are out there anymore, but having those safety numbers, letting people know where you're going to be, it's sort of the same as the information we give to people like to hike or go out in the wilderness is let people 
know where you are. When do you expect to be home? How long are you going to be gone? Depending on the age of the people, have a fully charged cell phone. We partner with a group called What's Three Word app. Have that on your phone. That allows first responders to narrow your area to like a three meter square. All those types of things, right? To avoid having to have first responders come out and find you. Yeah, what you just mentioned about the app, that was something actually that was in my mind when I was reading about that story and I was seeing this like Herculean effort that was being made to find this girl. I was like living in 2023 with all the technology that we have available to us. What was that product that Apple made? I think it's called like an AirTag or something. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah There's all AirTags. kinds of those out there. Those are cool. Those work yeah. really well too. I personally, I don't have kids, but like when I do, I'll probably just put a little AirTag in their backpack or like in their pocket or something. Fingers crossed my kid doesn't go missing. But if something happens, like you said, I'm going to know their location within three meters or whatever. Right? Yeah. Like, so I have colleagues who have taken their children to Disney or Wonderland, like bigger places, and they yeah. lace them into their shoes, yeah. right? Or underneath <laughs> their really soles of their shoes. So yeah. it's obviously a concern when you get people in large public areas, but yeah. there's a lot of different tools at our disposal now because of the technology. Yeah. Obviously, some of the younger folks may not have access to a smartphone or those types of things yeah. that parents could easily track. Yeah. But just develop a safety plan and different protocols. And if you're going hiking, make sure you know the trail. We have folks that like to use the Voyager Trail. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's expansive. But every year we get a couple of folks that wander off or they get lost wow. or they're just kind of lose their way. Maybe they might even be familiar with the area. But right. make sure you're familiar with the area. Let people know where you're going, when you expect to be back. Those are simple things. Yeah. But it really gives searchers a starting point. That's really important is having a starting point to circle your search out from. For example, in every lost or missing person case, the very first thing that officers do typically is search the residence, especially when it comes to children. They might be playing hide and seek and you don't know they're playing hide and seek, right? So you right. search the residence, you do a missing persons form to get descriptions. Where do they like to go? Where were they last seen? Last time you heard from them? What clothes were they wearing? All those types of things. Even you talk about trying to keep children safe. This might sound a bit over the top, but your child leaves for the day, take a picture of them. You'll know exactly what they were wearing, their backpack, their That's shoes. That's really smart, yeah. That's a simple step you can do in this day and age when you can have 10 yeah. billion photos on your phone. But that really gives searchers a good starting point and a good descriptor if something does go wrong. Yeah. And a lot of people have cameras on their doorbells now. You probably noticed when you arrived today. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have one, I highly recommend that you get one. You get them for like really affordable prices these days. Just order them on Amazon because that way in the morning you take your kid to school or whatever and, and then the camera sees them leaving the house that day. You have a video every single morning of what they were wearing that day or whatever. If they don't come home that day, you can just show the police, this is the video that my doorbell camera captured of my kid going to school this morning. This is what they were wearing. Yeah. So little stuff like that. There's so much technology now that can help us keep people safe, which I think is a very comforting idea. Yeah. When you talk about security cameras, there's a bunch of different ways it benefits police and investigators, right? Obviously missing people, you can see which way they went, yeah. what they were wearing. If there was anybody else, did they get in a car with somebody? What did that car look like? All those types of things. And those help in various investigations, not just missing people. Gotcha. As everyone knows, that particular case turned out very fortunately. It all ended well. And I think everyone's happy about that. So related question to that, are there any other notable success stories, positive outcomes that maybe didn't get as much media attention that you're aware of that people should know about that would maybe uplift people's spirits hearing about it? Well, this is going to sound like a canned answer, but anytime we find someone that's been reported missing, that's a success story. Yeah. The longer somebody is missing, the more concerning it gets, obviously. The quicker you can report, the better. I think it would be our message to the community. If you feel like something's off, don't wait. Every missing person investigation is different. Every missing person investigation doesn't generate a plea to the public for support. Right. There's a bunch of investigative things that have to happen before we get to that stage. It's all gauged on the safety of the person that's missing, the leads that officers may have based on the report that comes in. But I would just say if, if something feels off, it never hurts to call because at least it's been reported, right? We have that conversation with a lot of members of our community about various things. We 
can't support or act on information that we don't have. So please, if it's an urgent situation, obviously call 911. If it's non-urgent, but you have information you feel police should have or information about another investigation, you know, use our business line, 705-949-6300, and we'll get you to somebody that can answer your questions or support you or take your information. Right. And without getting into specific cases, in terms of the trends, is it the case that more often than not, a missing person report results in the person being found? Having not studied it and really crunched the numbers from my perspective since I've been with the police service is, yeah. At least in Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, some of these outcomes are not positive, but the person is still found and that provides some closure for the family and gotcha. friends, I believe. But for the most part, most lost people are found. I would yeah. say that's accurate. And it's not always kids. I assume it, sometimes it's like the elderly or middle-aged person with like mental health. What's the sort of average call yeah. that you get when it comes to something like that? It's all over the spectrum, right? Yeah. We don't get a lot of missing children or youth, I would say. Like, obviously we do get them, but this is a good opportunity for me to plug another one of our initiatives that we have, which is the Wandering and Vulnerable Person Registry. Oh, okay. So it's suepolice.ca slash WVPR. It's relatively new. We launched it a few months ago, but that's an opportunity that if you have a loved one, family member that is vulnerable, and if you visit the site, there's a robust kind of description of things that are vulnerable, but obviously somebody that is living with dementia or autism or some sort of cognitive issue, you can actually register them with the Sault Ste. Marie Police Service and provide a lot of information. Current photo, if they wander, where do they like to wander to? Is there places that they used to work that maybe they've been found and they don't remember how they got there? Their friends, phone numbers of places they go. There's a lot of information that can be given there and that is a great starting point because police have access to that information. We can use that in a search. So suepolice.ca slash WVPR is our vulnerable person registry and it just gives police and first responders accurate, immediate information they can access. You call and you say Lincoln Loud it's missing. He's wandered off. I don't know where he is. Our dispatchers can look up that information, relay that to officers and hopefully have a quick, successful outcome in finding that person, make sure they get any treatment that they may need if they're injured or just get them back to their caregiver so that they're safe. Yeah, that actually reminded me, Tracy used to work with students who had autism in the school board. Yep. Yeah, she was an educational assistant, so she's familiar. Did any of them have like a wandering thing? Like sometimes I know that people who are on the spectrum, they'll just wander. We had a few that had flight risks Yeah. where you had to keep your eye on them at all times. They'd wander. They didn't know that they were wandering just uh, across the road over by the water. It looks yeah. kind of cool and they want to go check it out. And they're just gone. Yeah, they're just gone. Yeah. Yeah. So information like that is invaluable, right? Because the quicker that officers have it, the quicker they can check those areas and hopefully have a successful outcome. Yeah. Gotcha. And when it comes to the Wandering Vulnerable Person Registry, we've partnered with a bunch of, I don't want to sound like a broken record when talking yeah, about partnerships, okay. but we've had a lot of discussions with the Algoma Autism Foundation and Alzheimer's Association. All those groups obviously will be dated by the time this airs, but today we're having a registration event with the Alzheimer's Society from 10 to 3 to allow people to ask questions about the registry and maybe if it's an elderly person that doesn't have access to the internet or isn't great with computers to help them through the process so they can get registered so that that information can be accessed quickly. Cool. All right. Lincoln, what sort of tips or advice would you give the community members of Sault Ste. Marie about how they can actively contribute to enhancing public safety in the community? Number one, we talked about earlier, if you see something suspicious, report it. Obviously, if it's of a serious nature, then it'll lead to a more serious investigation, but officers can't act on information they don't have. Another tip that we give people is just kind of know your neighborhood, know your community. If something feels out of place, like if you see somebody walking up to your neighbor's door that you've never seen before and they're kind of lurking around, it's like, well, that doesn't seem right. Like, let's maybe report that or even just ask that person what they're doing. And we don't tell people to engage in vigilante activity or to be peace officers or that kind of thing. But if you know what's happening in your community, it kind of gives you a better sense of your surroundings. Obviously, we do partner with Crime Stoppers and that's more of a specific investigation by investigation case, but that can be used as a place to report information anonymously. They have a very 
best ways you can report online by phone through app. So obviously Crime Stoppers is an option there as well. But again, officers can't act on information they don't have. So if you see something suspicious, you see something you think should be reported, then report it because you can't act on something you don't know about. Yeah. It reminds me of these local Facebook groups that I've discovered since I moved here, some of which I've joined, where you'd be amazed at how quickly the community can rally with the power of social media, where someone posts something on a Facebook group. Maybe it's like a camera feed of something that they picked up from someone, I don't know, like committing a theft or something on their property. And they'll take the camera feed and they'll post it on the group and they'll be like, does anyone recognize this person? Like they stole my bicycle or something. And then you'll see all these comments. They accurately identify the person because again, it's such a small community and you've got so many people on these groups. It's so modern and it's so powerful as an investigation tool. So in cases like that, I would say, well, get us the video. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right? right? Like you were saying the police can't act on information they don't have. But at the same time, now we have these Facebook groups and other social media platforms where the information that is available for investigation is now just light years ahead of where it was 20 years ago. Yeah, obviously social media can be a valuable tool, but officers need to verify all that information, right? Right, So you see online where people go, I know who that is. (laughs) Well, officers can't just act on that type of information. They need to verify the information. Is it reliable? Yeah. Well, yeah. Another thing we'll get is, well, I know that that's a drug house. Well, how, oh, well, how yeah. do you know that? Yeah. The officers have no authority to enter anybody's home yeah. without a warrant or sufficient information to think that somebody's safety is at risk. So it's important that any information is shared with officers so that they can act on that information. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Like when they say that they just know that that particular house or that particular individual is involved in XYZ activity. Some of it might just be speculation. Some of it is just like rumors. And officers even, have to prove it. Yeah, exactly. It's, and then have that information, as you know, as a lawyer, move on through the court system. Right? Yeah. They have to be able to prove that they have determined that information is accurate. Yeah, you can't convict someone on your side. Yeah. Right? So yeah, totally. I get that. That makes sense. And just to touch on sort of your example here, again, I'm going to plug some more of our tools that we have for community safety, but yeah. we do have a bike registry. So if you have a bicycle couple pictures, put in your serial number, where you bought it, color, all that type of stuff. And then if unfortunately your bike does get stolen, is recovered, then we have a way of getting it back to you. See, I didn't even know that that existed. Yeah. So hopefully someone watching this episode will start registering their bicycle. Yeah. It's a pretty common (laughs) tool that police services have. Yeah. Obviously before it used to be all done by hand, but we do have an online registry, which just makes it simple. So I have a super cycle from when I was in college 20 years ago. I have it registered. Yeah. Right. So if it gets stolen and I feel passionately that I want my then $99 bike back, that, you know, if somehow it's recovered, then officers can get it to you because police want to get property back to people as quickly as they can. And the more information they have to determine whose property it is, the quicker that they can get it to them. Speaking of property crimes and stuff, this is reminding me, I've seen a lot of police stations around Ontario now have these places where people can meet to conduct a transaction that they started online. So let's say they found something on Facebook Marketplace that they want to buy or Kijiji or whatever. And in order to ensure their safety, they can say, okay, well, I want to meet at this designated area at the police department where we can conduct this purchase and I don't have to worry about any, like shady stuff going on. Does the Sioux have anything like that? or So is the that... Sioux Searing Police Service, we don't have a designated spot yeah. for that. I know that the OPP Sioux Detachment, they do have, or they did because I covered it right. when I was with CTV when they launched that program. Nice. But yeah, when it comes to online transactions, obviously fraud is an issue that's happened in all communities, but yeah. you know, know who you're dealing with. Don't send anybody money. Don't know if you want to do a transaction online, maybe do the exchange in public where it's less likely somebody might want to victimize you. 
Yeah. Right? Those are all things to consider. But to answer your question, no, the Sioux Center Police Service doesn't have a designated spot for that, but there are areas in the community that do. Gotcha. Lincoln, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. I think this was a really great opportunity for the community to understand and learn a little bit more about the Sioux Police Service, some of the outreach programs that you've talked about, some tips and advice about how to keep your kids safe and that kind of thing. I know that to me, community safety and the feeling of being able to be a part of a community that you can be proud of, it's really important to me. I know that I've only spent maybe the last just under a year living here. I've gotten to know the place a lot better. I've gotten to know the community a little bit better. And there's a lot to be proud of. And I think it's worth protecting. And the 170 some odd sworn members that you mentioned earlier. You 142. Know, 142. Okay. All right. So the, to city council so, about so, that. <laughs> so the 142 sworn members and unknown number of civilian staff are all working to make sure that that happens, that, that what we have here in the Sioux is protected from those who would seek to undermine it. So thank you for being on the show and thank you for the work that all of you guys do over there. Yeah. We're guys, proud to serve the community. Men and women. <laughs> yes. We're proud to serve the community. Obviously, thank you for throwing yourself into the community and becoming engaged. And hopefully I answered some of the questions community members might have. And thank you. Follow us on Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. And be sure to check out our website at suepodcast.com. That's S-O-O podcast.com.